Hello friends, welcome to New Life. I'm so thankful that you're here today and that you've chosen to worship with us uh, as we study God's Word together. Uh, for those of you who have been joining us week by week, thank you so much for being here. Uh, and to anyone who may be joining us for the very first time, thank you so much. We're glad that you're here. It's the highlight of, of my week, certainly, to share God's Word. And we would just appreciate if everyone who's watching this this morning, uh, if you just take a moment and say hi in the comments. And if this is your first time, uh, there is a link wherever you're watching, whether it's by Facebook or YouTube, uh, that you can click on. It's, it's called a connection card. And if you just fill that out, we would love to connect with you and serve you. Now, before we get into today's message, uh, I'd really appreciate this. Appreciate it if you would just share this out, share it with a friend, text it to somebody, share it on your social, uh, so that more people can get a hold of God's Word. Now, this week has been a difficult week in our nation, hasn't it? Uh, just everything that's going on, and specifically with the conversation about racism, I think it's a, I think it's a conversation that needs to be had. And, and for me, I'm really excited today uh, because we have been walking verse by verse for really the past six months through the Gospel of Mark. And uh, we've just been seeing what God has to say to us every single week. And this week, we're going to see Jesus deal with prejudice. We're going to see Jesus deal uh, with some racism. And I think that it's going to be very, very helpful to us. And as a brand new church, I just want to say that God's Word always has the answers. And it's just going to be amazing uh, as we walk through God's Word for as long as we're together, just how the timing uh, that of how God speaks to our hearts, how His timing is perfect, how we get exactly what we need from His Word as we study it together. So uh, if you've shared this out, uh, I'm so thankful that you're here. To anyone who, who's joining us, thank you for being with us today. We're really excited about studying God's Word. So if you would, take a Bible uh, and look with me in Mark chapter number 7. We're continuing uh, a series that we started last week. It's called Big Rocks. We're talking about having healthy priorities in a world of competing values. Last week we talked about the priority of Scripture. Uh, a lot of people like to, like to elevate their own emotional experiences, their own thoughts, their own ideas, their own traditions to the level of the Word of God. But what we find is that Jesus' Word, God's Word, uh, is just so much greater than anything that, that we could think on our own. Uh, God's Word is relevant for our lives today. And so that's what we talked about last week. And then today we're going to be talking about the big rock of prioritizing people. Uh, we have a goal here at New Life. We have this focus that we want to love Jesus and we want to love like Jesus. And what we've been seeing in our nation today is that there are a lot of people who are who are who are valuing, who who are prioritizing uh, just their own, uh, maybe their own upbringing uh, or their own way of thinking that really is out of line with Scripture. Uh, and really, a lot of times we can be guilty of prioritizing ourselves as opposed to prioritizing and loving other people. And we don't want to do that. We want to make sure that we're loving like Jesus. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, uh, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So today, we're going to talk about that. Mark chapter number 7. And if you look with me in verse number 24, it says, And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and entered into a house, and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him, and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, 
And she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled. For it is not me to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. She answered and said unto him, yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, for this saying, go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. Let's go ahead and pray and ask God to bless our time together and to speak to our hearts and give us exactly what we need today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us and for your grace in our lives. And Lord, we as a nation, we as a people uh, are hurting this week. Uh, There is a lot of pain and hatred and even uh, we've seen evidences of racism in this country. And Lord, I pray that you would give us your heart for people. Lord, I pray that you would draw us to be more like Jesus and how Jesus loved. And uh, Lord, today's a difficult passage. So I pray that you, Holy Spirit, that you would, that you'd help me to, to say only what you want me to say. Help me to say nothing more and nothing less. And Lord, I ask that you would give us all exactly what we need today. Lord, I pray that you'd help us uh, to any, any blind spots that we have in our own hearts and our own minds. May we overcome it and show people the love that you have for them. May our lives be transformed by the power of the gospel today. In Jesus' name, amen. This week, I read a story about, um, about a position, a job that was created, and it was called the most difficult job uh, in America. So this person was doing interviews for this job and did several Zoom interviews for the toughest, for the toughest job ever. And as he was doing the interview with several people who were interested in the position, he went over with, uh, with the potential employees uh, the requirements and the expectations for this job. First thing that he talked about was the expectation of mobility. For this job, you had to be very active. You had to be on your feet pretty much all the time. Uh, you'd have to bend over a lot and pick up heavy items. You'd have to pick over light, pick up light items. Uh, you just were going to be on your feet nonstop. The next thing that he talked about, the next expectation that he talked about was the expectation of the hours. So this job was a job that was a it was a 24-7 job. It was 365 days a week, which every person that, that heard it, every person that heard that as you would and as I was, uh, they were surprised by that kind of that kind of work, those kind of work hours. You had to work 24-7. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense. In fact, uh, the job was taking care of a client, and the client was actually going to move in uh, with the employee. Uh, so you had to take care of the of the client, of the associate, 24-7, 365 days a year. You don't get off for Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, Easter, and even on those days, uh, you have to work extra. The, the workload goes up, and you have to do it with a good attitude. Next, he talked about the pay. Uh, the pay was nothing. You don't get paid anything for this job. And to me, that would be the end of the interview. Uh, you get paid nothing for this job, but the benefits are that you grow to love the associate that you take care of uh, and make memories that will last you a lifetime. Uh, of course, for me, I would say no thank you to that job until he revealed that it's not just one person that has this job title. It's billions of people that have this job title. It's the job title of mom. 
So moms who are constantly on their feet, working 24-7, uh, taking care of their kids. And as I heard that, and it just kind of it kind of clicked in my mind that, yeah, it's true, moms do all those things. Now, I was overcome with emotion, and it made me really thankful for, made me thankful for my mom and all the sacrifices that she's made for me. It's made me, it made me extra thankful for my wife, who we just had a baby a few weeks ago, and who she wakes up in the middle of the night to take care of baby Witten, and, and just the sacrifices that moms make. And you know, that whole exercise, that video that I watched, it kind of, it, the whole point of it is to take your mind in one direction, uh, so you're thinking a certain way, and then it teaches a truth that really we all know. We all know that moms work very hard, and it just shows you, it opens up your heart to see and value maybe an old truth in a new way. That's exactly what Jesus is doing in Mark chapter number seven. In Mark seven, if you remember continuing from our from where we left off last week, Jesus was dealing uh, with a group of people known as the Pharisees. The Pharisees were people who were very externally driven. They were people who were driven by what they see, what you see on the outside. They were people that were very judgmental. And Jesus, uh, Jesus rebuked their their tradition keeping, their tradition holding. Uh, Jesus, Jesus rebuked their elevation of their own emotions above what God says in his word. And really what he did last week we saw is that Jesus showed that more important than what you see on the outside is what's going on in the heart. So what's going on in the heart. Uh, I like the way that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. talked about this kind of issue. He said that uh, we should be judged by the content of our character, not the color of our skin. So Jesus is talking about the things that we see on the outside, but it's not as important as what's going on in the heart. You see, what's in the heart is what determines what we see on the outside. And Jesus was teaching that to his disciples. He was teaching that to people who were listening around him. And his disciples were just having trouble getting it. They said, Jesus, we don't understand what you're talking about. For all of their lives, it was beaten into them that you take care of what's on the outside First, you judge things by what you see on the outside. You judge a book by its cover. That's what was ingrained into them. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. It's, it's what's in the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, so Jesus is, is really getting into them. Last week we saw that uh, we, need to, we need God to do work in our hearts. Because we're all sinful people and we need the Holy Spirit to transform us on the inside. So as we close Mark chapter 7, with that in mind, Jesus takes a trip away to a land known as Tyre and Sidon. Now, Tyre and Sidon may not mean a lot to you, and it may not mean a lot to me until uh, I studied it out and I realized this, is that Jesus had spent his entire ministry in the land of Israel, but now he's going to a Gentile nation. He's going to a place where people have, where his disciples have not been before. Uh, he's go, they, they're, they're the kind of people that never left their hometown. And now Jesus is taking them uh, far away to a different country into this land of Tyre and Sidon. This would make the disciples very nervous. You see, in Scripture, we only see one other, uh, one other time whenever someone where Jewish people encountered a Sidonian. Uh, the, the woman that they encountered in the Old Testament was a woman by the name of Jezebel. Uh, and even today, the term Jezebel uh, is, is, we use the term Jezebel speaking of uh, a wicked or an immoral, uh, an immoral person. And really, it all goes back to this Sidonian woman in the book of First Kings in the Old Testament. So now Jesus is taking his disciples to Tyre and Sidon. And when they go there, uh, they are encountered, they are approached by another 
woman who's, who's coming after them, who's crying out to them. And really, it's a very uncomfortable situation for, for Jesus' disciples. And here's what Jesus is going to do. Jesus is going to really put on a little bit of a show. He's going to, he's going to speak out what is in his disciples' hearts to show them that, it's, that, that we're not supposed to value people, we're not supposed to, uh, that God doesn't value people, God doesn't love people based on their ethnicity uh, or their country of origin or their background. Uh, he loves them because they are a soul. So let's go ahead and look into Matthew chapter number 15. We're actually going to, today we're, going, we're walking through the book of Mark, but I'm going to switch over to Matthew 15. It's the same event, it's the same passage. But Matthew 15 gives us a little bit more detail. So if you're following along with me in God's Word, uh, then I'm reading from Matthew chapter 15. And we're going to walk through this. And here's what we're going to see. We're going to see four powerful truths on how Jesus views people. And this is going to help us as well. Here's the first truth that we need to see today is that Jesus is needed by everyone. The first truth today, Jesus is needed by everyone. It says in verse 21 of Matthew 15, it says, Then Jesus went thence and departed unto the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. So here we see Jesus uh, Jesus goes into this foreign land and immediately whenever he arrives, there is a woman who's desperately seeking for his attention and for his help. She's got a problem. She, uh, she has a daughter who's at home. She's got a young girl at home who it says that she is, she's demon possessed. Uh, it says that she was vexed uh, very deeply. That means she was basic, she was being tortured, uh, being demon possessed. And she's got a problem. This, this woman who loves her daughter, she's going to Jesus. She's crying out to Jesus. She's saying, Jesus, son of David, please, I need you. I need you uh, to heal my daughter. I need your help. And here's the first truth that we see today in God's word is that Jesus is needed by everyone. Uh, I know I, in my life, uh, I just, I know that I grew up as a, I grew up as a religious kid. My dad was a pastor growing up. He was an assistant pastor for several years. He took care of, of teenagers who were in trouble and tried to help them get their lives turned around. And he dedicated his life uh, to God. I grew up a religious kid, but I grew up still needing Jesus. My life uh, was a mess. I was full of uh, just, I struggled with, uh, with who I was. I struggled with uh, just a lack of peace in my heart. And I realized that I was a sinner in need of Jesus. Uh, and my friend, whether you're religious or non-religious, every person needs Jesus. It's been amazing to me. This week I've been reading uh, in the Gospel of John and just for my own personal for my own personal study. And it was amazing to me because as I was reading, I read in John chapter 3 how Jesus encounters uh, a religious wealthy, influential man by the name of Nicodemus. And we see in that text that, that Nicodemus needed Jesus. And then the very next chapter, Jesus meets a poor, immoral, non-influential woman at the well. And we see in that text that 
hey, she needed Jesus too. So it doesn't matter if you're religious or non-religious. It doesn't matter uh, if you are wealthy or poor. It doesn't matter uh, who you are. We're all in need of Jesus. And this woman in this text, she needs Jesus. And that's a pretty amazing thing uh, because here she is. She is called a Greek in Mark 7. She's called a Greek, uh, which is speaking more to her religion. And then it says that she's a Syrophoenician, which is talking about her nation, uh, where she is from, what her, what her background is, and she still recognizes that she needs Jesus. That's a pretty amazing thing because most people don't go outside of their, their background, their religion uh, for help. So I'm, I'm a Christian. Uh, if I need help, if I needed counseling with something, it's not very likely for me as a Christian that I would go to uh, an imam or a rabbi uh, for help just because for me and, uh, and my beliefs, uh, typically we stay pretty tight within our beliefs. And this woman, she is from a different nation, a different religion, uh, a different background, but she still recognizes that she needs Jesus. And what we see is that it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from, we all need the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's something that I love uh, about Scripture is that God values diversity. We see God's value for diversity in the writing of His Word. Uh, the Word of God, the Bible, was, was written by uh, 40 different men from very different and diverse backgrounds. Some of them were, uh, they were kings and fishermen and farmers and tax collectors. Uh, they, they were a bunch of different people with a bunch of different economic backgrounds, yet they were still in need of Jesus. And we see that Jesus is needed by everyone. The second truth that we see in today's text is that Jesus allows tension for growth. Jesus allows tension for growth. And I think that this is so important, especially for where we're at today. Uh, as we continue Matthew 15 and verse number 23. So she cries out to Jesus, Jesus, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Verse 23, it says, but he answered her not a word. So he doesn't, he doesn't immediately respond to her, to her question or to her request. And his disciples came and besought him saying, send her away for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am, I'm not sent unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. So this woman, she's calling out, she's crying out. Uh, the word here even means that she was really, she was screaming out for Jesus's help. She's crying out, Jesus, son of David, uh, help me, help my daughter. And Jesus pauses for a moment. Jesus doesn't immediately answer, which is uh, very interesting. A lot of a lot of different scholars, a lot of different theologians have 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 debated what exactly is the significance of Jesus not answering her right away. And we see that Jesus is just waiting, and then the disciples speak up. And I believe, I personally believe that Jesus was waiting to see uh, disciples. You know, what what do you think? Kind of like uh, for a teacher who, who knows the answers to the questions, but he just, he waits for his students. Uh, she waits for her students to, to answer the questions. So he waits and he pauses and then the disciples, they speak up to Jesus. And here is their answer. They say, uh, Lord, send her away. Here's, here's the idea. They're saying, Jesus, listen, uh, here's this woman. Here's this Sidonian woman. We, uh, most rabbis, they don't talk to women. They don't spend time with women. Uh, she's from a different background. She's from a different, she's from a different country, a different race. L listen, Lord, we don't care if you heal her or not. If you heal her daughter or not, we just want her out of here. We just, we need to get rid of, get away from this awkward tension. 
And then Jesus looks over to the woman and there's some tension building up inside her. She's asked for Jesus' help. She's waiting. She knows that if anyone can help her, Jesus can help her, yet Jesus has waited. And then there's this tension that's building. There's tension building up in in this woman's heart. There's the tension that is building up in the disciples' heart. And Jesus allows this tension to build and to grow for a couple of reasons. He allows this tension to build and to grow, to build her faith, and to soften their hearts. He he allows this tension to grow, to, to develop this woman's faith, and to soften his disciples' hearts. And can I just tell you, in your life and in my life, and whenever it comes to our relationship with God, for sure, sometimes we go through, through moments where our prayers are not answered right away. Sometimes we go through seasons where we have to just beg God over and over and over again, God, please hear my prayer. Uh, But what we see is that sometimes God allows tensions to build in our lives to either build our faith or to soften our hearts. And that's what he's doing here in this text. And could I just say that in this season, in this season that we're living in, with the horrendous uh, murder of George Floyd and all of the protests that are going on in in light of that. And by the way, we differentiate between uh, looting and protests. Uh, But speaking to the protests, um, there is tension building up in our nation. And by the way, that can be a good thing. For those of us who are who are white Americans and Christians, this tension that is building up, this, is, this can be good for us. This is something that we need to learn and grow. This is something that we as, as churches, we as Christians need to learn how to love people of different ethnicities and, and not judge them by their race, but show them the powerful love of Jesus. This tension, this season can help us to learn and to grow if we'll choose to do so. And could I say to you, uh, you who are, who are black believers who are watching this service, could I say to you, that this tension this season, this can be good too, because this can be this can be a moment of change in our country. This can be a season where where through this, God willing, uh, we'll put an end to racism by God's grace. This tension, this season, it can be a difficult season. It can be a tough season. But when we work together, following God's word, God can do amazing things. Jesus allows this tension to build and to grow. Whenever I was a teenager and I played uh, competitive basketball, sometimes uh, we'd go through, we'd have to do a lot of running. We ran a lot of sprints uh, and it was just painful. And sometimes my coach, uh, he would he would say things, he would do things that would really just, uh, caught, that would add some pressure. Uh, for example, sometimes he'd put uh, the first team up against the second team, and he would put it. He would put us out there who were on the first team, and he'd say, "All right, uh, you guys have to win this game in five minutes, but you're losing by 15 points to start." So he'd add some pressure, and the whole point of it was to make us better. It was to make us stronger. It was to make us more efficient. And what I'm saying is that Jesus is allowing some tension to build so he can do a work in people's hearts. And I believe that in our country today, if we will allow God to work in our hearts, God can use this tension to build our faith and to soften our hearts. We see that Jesus is needed by everyone. Jesus allows tension to to develop us, to help us grow. The third truth that we see is that Jesus knows the heart of everyone. Let's continue in, in uh, Matthew 15, and then he says in verse number 25, it says, Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. 
But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Now, admittedly, this is a, this is a difficult statement. This is a difficult saying. And I, I believe that we, it would be a little easier to understand if we, if we saw the tone of what is going on here in this text. But uh, like the example that I used of bas- a basketball coach in high school. Uh, whenever I was in high school, sometimes the coach would say things like, ah, you guys can't, uh, you guys can't make this play or you guys can't run this lap in a certain amount of time. What he was doing is he, we knew based on his tone that what he was saying was meant for challenge. It was meant for, uh, encouragement. It was meant for motivation. It wasn't meant as a statement of disbelief. He wasn't saying it. And if you, if you read the statement written out, you might say, Man, that coach is a jerk. Man, that coach doesn't believe in his players. But understanding the tone when you're there in the moment, um, what you see is that it's meant entirely differently. And I believe that that's, that's here. And we see that for a couple of different reasons. The first is the disciples are like, Jesus, let's get rid of this woman. We don't care if you heal her or not. Yet Jesus takes time to have a conversation with her. The second thing about this statement is, Jewish people did refer to Gentiles as dogs. They would use a word that meant, in Greek, that meant basically a mangy mutt, a wild animal. Yet Jesus uses a similar word, a word that they would understand. Man, we can't believe that Jesus is saying this to a person. We might say it about the Gentiles, but Jesus is saying this to a Gentile. And Jesus used the word that basically meant uh, a a beloved pet, uh, a, a little puppy. Uh, and that's the word that he uses here. And he gives an example. He says, hey, listen, uh, if I've come, I've come for the house of Israel, uh, it, it, you know, it's not appropriate to take food that was meant for your kids and to give it to a little puppy. And he's continuing this conversation. And I believe with all my heart that the way that he's speaking to her is uh, he knows. It's like he's, setting her, it's, he's set, really setting her up uh, to bring conviction in the heart of the disciples. Uh, it's kind of like uh, like t-ball versus baseball. Whenever you, if you throw a curveball versus if you set up the tee uh, for the pitch, Jesus is saying, "Hey, listen, uh, is it is it really appropriate to give uh, to give the kids food to a little puppy?" And the way that he's speaking to her, he's really setting her up for uh, to bring conviction to the disciples' heart and show show them her faith. So he says, "Hey." He says, hey, um, uh, it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Man, could you imagine being one of those disciples? One of those disciples who Jesus has just spoke everything that you're thinking. Uh, he said, he, he's shown uh, what their religious beliefs were. He was showing what their racial, uh, what their racial beliefs were. And here he is, he's put it all in front of this woman, and this woman has just demonstrated incredible faith. And Jesus shows that he, he knows their hearts. He's put the disciples' hearts on display. He's put her faith on display. My friend, Jesus knows, Jesus knows your heart. Jesus knows my heart. And by the way, there's sometimes in Scripture that we see this and we think that we can, we can judge, but only an omniscient, all-knowing God can, can address things, can handle things like Jesus is handling here. Jesus knows 
their hearts. Jesus knows your hearts. He knows the needs of your heart. And then finally, we see that Jesus desires a relationship with everyone. Jesus desires a relationship with everyone. In verse 28, he says, Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now, I just want to take a second and just uh, explain something about verse number 28. Because for me, one time I said to my, I called my wife, I said, hey, woman, and I got in trouble and I've never said it again. Uh, So sometimes we see, oh, woman, and we use that term a little bit differently today. Uh, But it would be very similar to saying lady or ma'am. For example, I was taught to say to my mother, yes, ma'am. Sometimes we'll say, we may use that term. Uh, excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, lady. It's a term of uh, ex- it's a term of respect, and Jesus is, is saying, "Ma'am, lady, great is thy faith." And we see that Jesus has just shown his disciples that here is this person who is from a different uh, a different background, who's from a different nation, who's from uh, a different race than they are. Yet Jesus is showing that hey, there's this woman who believes in Jesus, who trusts Jesus, and Jesus heals this woman's daughter. Now, whenever I was studying for today's message, um, there was a lot of questions about why did Jesus go to this this area in the first place? Some people said it was because he was trying to escape for his life from Herod Antipas or uh, maybe because of the tension with the Pharisees. And honestly, none of that stuff makes any sense to me. Jesus goes to Tyre and Sidon. He encounters this woman. He heals her daughter. He heals her daughter. And then he goes back to Israel. Jesus went to Tyre and Sidon specifically for her. Jesus loves and cares for everyone. Growing up, we sang the song, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. And I can show you from scripture how Jesus, how the Holy Spirit and his sovereignty sent the gospel to every people group, how God's love reached every people group in the world. I could take you to Matthew, where the wise men from the east, how those uh, those Asian wise men came to worship Jesus. I can show you how God loves uh, black people. In Acts chapter number eight, the Holy Spirit sends Philip uh, away from a crowd in Samaria, and he sends him to reach an Ethiopian black man. I can show you how Jesus loves people from the Middle East. We see that uh, throughout all of the Gospels. And I can show you how Jesus loves uh, Europeans, how he sent Paul uh, West. And every corner of the world, God sent his Gospel. He gave the message of his Son to every corner of the world, to every ethnicity, to every skin color. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your skin color. Jesus loves you all the same. And to every person that's watching this, I got to say this. If Jesus loves every person of every race, of every ethnicity all the same, then why don't we? Jesus loves everyone. God so loved the world. 
God is not willing that any should perish. God loves everyone, and so should we. We should love every single person like Jesus loves them. And in our nation today, I believe that the world can be changed, our nation can be changed, if this country sees the love of Jesus, the power of the gospel in your life and in my life. In closing, I would just like to say this. There are a lot of questions about identity today. Uh, A lot of people talk about identity, trying to find out who you are, to find yourself, to discover who you are. Could I say this, that the greatest identity question shouldn't be who you are, but whose you are. The most important question isn't, what color is my skin? The most important question is, am I a child of God? And today I would like to ask you, do you know for sure that Jesus is your Savior, that God is your Father? The Bible says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons and daughters of God. You say, I don't know that for sure, but I would like for to be a child of God. I would like, to, I would like for God to be my father. And there's one truth that you need to understand. You need to understand Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're all, we all have a shared identity, and it's the identity of a sinful person separated from God. We're all born in sin. Yet Christ loved us so much that he gave us the good news, the gospel. Jesus died on a cross to pay for your sins and for mine, to be our substitute. And because Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sin. Justice was served on the cross. Then Jesus rose again so that we could have eternal life with him. And if I believe that truth, that Jesus died for my sins, just like the scripture says, and I put my faith and my trust in him, I'll be forgiven And my identity will be that of a child of God. If you would like to receive Christ as your Savior, if you'd like to put your faith and trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross, then pray this prayer with me from your heart. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins, that he rose again so I could have life with him. Jesus, make me your son. Make me your daughter. Give me life in you, an identity in you. In Jesus' name, amen. My friend, can I tell you something? That there's no identity that's more satisfying. There's no identity that's more wonderful than that of being a loved child of God. And if you chose to receive Jesus as your Savior today, I'm so thankful that you did that. Please let us know. Send us a message. Say, I trusted Jesus today. And we would love to connect with you, serve you, and send you a gift to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Let's go and love Jesus and thank him for his unconditional uh, and undiscriminatory love. And let's go and love the world like Jesus. Red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week.